Bibles, guys, I want to ask you to turn with me to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Matthew chapter number four. Uh, and we'll uh, begin reading at verse number one. Matthew four, verse number one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter four, verse number one. I'm so thankful for those four baptisms that we had today. Is that awesome or what? The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when one lost soul comes to Christ. So I, I, I've counted a privilege to have the, 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 you know, the opportunity to baptize those young people through our vacation Bible school and our Christian kids ministry. That's one of the reasons why we do ministry like that, because we, kids need to be able to hear it on their level where they can understand it. And they, our kids are smart. Amen. They, they, can, they can learn about Jesus. They're in kindergarten. They learn how to count. Uh, some of them are even reading before they even get to kindergarten. So surely they can understand and know about the Savior. God made it simple. We try to make it complicated. But he said, whoever believes in me, amen, shall not perish but have everlasting life. So the Bible says this in verse number one of this fourth chapter. The text says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from what the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say. Everybody say the scriptures say. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus and they ministered to him. Now, today we're on message seven of our series we've entitled, Do You Really Care? And what we are seeking to do in this series is to delve into the scriptures, unpack the stories that we are reading in the text, and we're trying to impart some core biblical principles that are foundational to our Christian faith. Amen. Principles that will enable you and I to equip ourselves to show a dying world that we as a family of faith at Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, do really care. And so in order for us to show that we really care, uh, in the sense that the Bible teaches, we have to we have to learn some things. Would y'all agree? Uh, knowing that uh, you know what we see is what we get. Uh, you know, lessons one through three in this series, uh, we we've been focusing and we focused on reframing um, uh, care from a biblical narrative, uh, or uh, to help us to show up what what we should really should be believing. Um, we, 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 we talked about reframing what caring means from a biblical perspective so that we can have a proper theological construct or that we can have a proper paradigm. Remember, several years ago, I told you the word paradigm means your system of belief. And there are times, guys, where we come over into Christianity with a system of belief that has been shaped by something other than the word of God. Are y'all listening to me? There's a lot of stuff that can shape our system of belief. One that is really crucial in shaping our system of belief if, is our family of origin. The family who we grew up, you know, with. Our, our, the Jones, the Smiths, the Taylors, the the Pollards, uh, the Hartmans, the Hills, the Johnsons, uh, and, and our families of origin, uh, sometimes good and sometimes not so good, they shape the way we view the world. So if we're going to be biblical, if we're going to be a church that shows that we really care, 
One of the things that we got to do is we got to make sure that we, amen, have the proper uh, paradigm or system of belief as it relates to what it really means to care. Y'all with me? We got to have the proper relationship. We got to have the proper belief system that shows that we really care. Now, again, uh, when we looked at this, the first three lessons, first lesson we talked about under this growing through adversity and the core principle that we gave you was that faith does matter. Uh, there are times that we have to realize that we grow through adversity. And the natural tendency when we go, go through something adverse is to rely on ourselves. We become self-sufficiency. But the godly wisdom when we're going through adversity is to depend on God. Okay? So we talked about lesson number one, growing through adversity. Lesson two, we talked about loving people. Amen? And the core principle that we talked about in that lesson was we got to understand that caring is sacrificial. If you're going to really care in a biblical sense, you're going to have to sacrifice some time. You're going to have to uh, sacrifice some energy. You're going to have to sacrifice some of your resources if you're going to care in a biblical sense. Amen? Because remember, what, what is, the thing that we've been harping on is, is that we have to get to the point to where as believers, caring is not just transactional. It's not just we doing something for somebody. In other words, you paid their water bill, you gave them a ride, uh, you let them borrow your car, or you, 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 you gave them some money, or you, you went and fixed them a meal. Those things are good and they are necessary and they are a part of the care process. But if we, if we, if we just boil caring down to transactional things that we do, then we miss the biblical definition of what it really means to care. Because biblical caring is relational more than it is transactional. Can I get a witness? That means that as a born-again believer, when I have the opportunity to help someone, I'm not just trying to fix the problem. I don't know if you can find that, Jason, but in the first part of this, we were talking about, we said it's about people, not problems, I believe it is. It's about people and our problems. So, uh, so, so we can't just focus on the problem. When God puts someone in our path who we have an opportunity to show that we care, God is doing it not just for you to fix the problem, but to build a relationship. Because he knows that, that he uses people. Can I get a witness? He uses people. He uses man to get his message to man. The Bible even tells us he, he chose the foolishness of preaching to get men saved. And he don't preach through angels. He uses man to preach. So it's, 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 it's people, not just the problem, man. So we got to realize it's relational. Everybody say relational. So loving people, caring is sacrificial. The third thing in lesson three, we talked about being attentive. We said that in the core principle that we discovered there is we said that action is required. We're being attentive. Action is required. And so uh, a, a lot of times, you know, we don't want to we want we don't want to do very much. Have you ever find yourself in a position where you just kind of want to not be bothered by people? Come on. Come on, saints. Have you ever find yourself in a position where you say, well, you know what? I'm tired of fooling with him. I'm tired of fooling with them or her because it's the same old, same old. And they're not learning. So what do we do? We just check out on people, won't we? Come on. Come on. Look at me, saints. Come on. We need to confess right now in this place because some of y'all are sitting here with your saved, sanctified, going to heaven self. You, you've actually said to yourself, I, 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 ain't, I ain't fooling with it no more. But we got to realize caring is sacrificial and caring, amen, involves sometimes going the extra mile when you really in your flesh don't want to don't want to deal with people anymore, okay? So so those, so 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 the lesson one, two, three, a base thought is knowing what we see is what we get. So we talked about growing through adversity, loving people, being attentive. In lesson four, five, and six, we talked about uh, lesson four. We talked about expressing concern. We said that the core principle is that God is our comforter. God is our comforter. Lesson five, we talked about listening well. Amen. And then we talked about caring is relational. We got to learn how to listen. A lot of us don't listen very well. 
All right. And remember, I gave you those those. I don't have time to go back over to get the tape, but I gave you those those issues. Those, how can you how can you tell if you're a good listener? Now? And all these things, guys, when it comes to listening skills, I think all of, I still work on trying to be a good listener. My wife will tell me if I'm listening good or not. How many of y'all have had your spouse tell you whether or not you're listening good or not? Huh? And that's sometimes I have to work on it because you know, as, as, to be a good listener, when you're dealing with somebody, you have to learn how to let them share and not interrupt. How many of y'all have a problem interrupting people, trying to get your point across before they finish saying what they're saying? Come on, let's, let's confess today. See, if, if you're always jumping in and cutting folks off, you're not a good listener. And if you're going to learn to show that you care, you've got to learn how to listen better. So listening skills, we talked about that. And then last week, we talked about asking questions, different types of questions, because we said the questions are more so for the one who is being asked the question than it is the one who's asking it. Because Jesus, we saw in the scripture text, oftentimes asked questions. Every time he asked a question, he already knew the answer before he asked the question. Can I get a witness? God asks questions, but God already knows the answer to the question before he ever asks it. When he asked Adam in the garden, where art thou, Adam? Do you really honestly believe that God didn't know where Adam was? Can I get a witness? When Jesus last week asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Do you really think that Jesus didn't know that blind Bartimaeus came to him to receive his sight? But questions cause the one who's hearing it to reflect. And we went through the different types of questions that we asked, right? Hope y'all got that down. Now, today we're going to deal with sharing scripture. Because sharing scripture is critically important in the caring process. Amen? It's critically important in the caring process. Now, here's, here's what I got I, I to get us to understand this. And you, you guys know this. As human beings, uh, we naturally... In, an, in, in our flesh, we look to ourselves, we look to other people, we'll look to our jobs, we'll look to the uh, possessions that we have, we'll look to a lot of different worldly stuff uh, to receive affirmation and to, and, and to be satisfied with who we are as a person. We look to other stuff. There are people who, when their job plays out, or maybe they get fired, or maybe they get laid off or whatever, uh, they go into states of depression because the job defined who they were, all right? And, and so, and so, so as, as a born-again believer, I don't want to ever be in a position where pastoring defines who I am. I mean, I am a pastor. I, I flow in the role of a pastor, but, but if I'm not pastoring, can I still be relevant in my eyes? And I got to believe, I got to know that. And I believe that I can be. Because again, the job of a pastor, that's what I've been called to do, but that's not defining who I am. And so many times as believers, we, we look to those type things, our professions and other people to, to affirm who we are. And God says, I want to be your affirming agent. I want to be the, the one, as your heavenly father said, that's my son, that's my, that's my, that's my believer who I'm well pleased in. Just like he did his son when he was baptized in the Jordan River. I, I, I want to be that one, and I hope you want to be that one that God can call you like he did Moses, a friend of God. I want to be that one who God, who when he looks down from heaven, can say, hey, serve Satan, have you considered my servant Doris Robinson? Satan, have you considered my servant called Wayne Jones? He's an upright man. Have you considered this person? Because when God did that with Job, the Bible says that Job was an upright man. He wasn't perfect, but, but, but he lived in such a way that his life was, 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 was indicative of what it means to believe and trust God. Because otherwise, God would not have ever extended the invitation to the, to the enemy and gave him the permission to go and attack Job. So, so, so we, want, we want to get to a point where, where God is our affirming agent. Now, now again, no matter how smart, no matter how strong, no matter how healthy, no matter how wealthy, and no, no matter how connected we are, the things, hear me carefully, the things of this world can never satisfy our deepest longings. There is a void or an emptiness in every one of us that can only be filled by Jesus. And I'm going to tell you the mistake that a lot of people make. We try to fill that void with certain people. 
That's why, sister, you keep running from man to man. Hello? And, that, and, 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 and for a little while, you satisfied with that man until you realize that man can't satisfy you. I don't mean physically either. I'm talking about spiritually that hold us in there that, only, that can only be filled by Jesus Christ, okay? And, and man, no woman can satisfy that void that's on the inside of you. It's only Jesus. Money can't do it. There are plenty of people with money who are miserable. Ask some of these lottery winners. I told you before, it, it's amazing. Just go and just Google lottery, the fate of lottery winners and see, and see some of the sad commentaries, some of the sad stories that have developed out of people winning money and don't know what to do with money. They don't know how to deal with people who know you got money. Because if folks find out you got money, they want some of your money. People who had never spoke to you but twice during the year now find out you got money will be called. You say, you know what? I got this little business proposition. I want to. Hello. So, so, so money will not fill that void. Only Jesus can. So, 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 so I, I like turn with me right quick to, to Galatians, the second chapter. I like the way the apostle Paul put it. See, we need to ensure that we and those who we love are placing our trust and hope in Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and are finding our provision and our purpose in Christ alone. Let me say it again. We need to ensure that we are putting our trust and hope in Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and we are finding our provision and our purpose in Christ Jesus alone. Our provision and our purpose for living in Christ Jesus alone. Don't ever get to the point to where you feel like you can't live without a certain person. That's dangerous. Hello, that's dangerous. Will my husband leave me? I just don't think I can go. Yes, you can. If my wife left me, it'd, just, it'd be the end of the world. No, it won't. Not if you know Jesus. Hello? Not if you are a trust in Jesus for your provision and your purpose in life. Listen, don't ever get so enamored with a person other than Christ to the point to where you feel like you got to go into the state of depression because that person ain't with you anymore. The God I serve is able to keep and sustain you. And the God I serve can bring somebody else in your life, amen, who can bring you joy and peace and happiness when you know Jesus Christ. As your personal savior. Now watch what, watch what Paul says. Galatians 2 uh, verse 19. Let's go to the KJV. Go to the KJV. Galatians 2 verse number 19. I like what Paul says here. And, and it's one of my favorite passages that I love to quote. Galatians 2 starting in verse number 19. It says, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might what? Live unto God. Now guys, who's talking in this text? Who? The Apostle Paul is writing to this, the churches of Galatia, the saints of Galatia, and he says this, that I, for I through the law am dead to the law. All right? He says that I might live unto God. Let's keep reading. Next verse says what? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But he says what? Not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, let's park that. Stop right there. He says, I am crucified with Christ. So what does that mean? Paul says that as I live my life, you know, Paul, used, Paul was the guy who used to, whose name was Saul, who used to persecute Christians, who stood by and held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death because of Stephen's faith in God. That, that same guy is now saying, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he says, what I live. He says, what, what Paul is saying is, is that I, I, I'm crucified with Christ. I've died to self so that Christ can live through me. Do you not realize that Christ desires to live, amen, through us? We are his hands. We are his feet here in the earth realm. And we keep trying to call Jesus down to go to the hospital. And God said, you go. 
We're calling Jesus to send, you, you know how we, we used to pray, we send him a stop by, stop by the hospital, go by Sister Jones' house. Sister, Sister Jones, two blocks from you, in the same church with you, you know she's sick, so you go see her. But we want to send Jesus, right? Come on. We, we're good at sending Jesus places. When God says, I, I got you to go for me, you're my hands, my feet. You're my witness here to the, in the world. You're the one who I need to show that I really care. And I'm going to show that I care through you. So you got to get your mind together. Amen? Watch this. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It says what? Yeah, not I, but what? Read that Christ what? Christ liveth in me. He says what else? And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21. Come on, read with me. come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I'm going to read 20 and 21 from the New Living Translation. If you pop back up, that'll be great. Paul said, as my old self has been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there's no need for Christ to die. If keeping the law can make us right with God, which none of us can keep, right? Because you do realize that scripture says if you violate the law in one area, you're guilty of it all. And I shared with you before, the law was never given to save us as much as it was given to show us our need for a savior. Can I get a witness? Because man in his prideful self always thinks he's good enough and he's better and, 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 and he's, he's all right with God because he's a good person. The law lets us know that we are not good enough because God's standard to come into his presence is what? Perfection. And none of us have it. So the law showed us that we can't keep it all. And it showed us our need for a savior. And Jesus came, amen, amen, born in a manger in Bethlehem to be the savior for the entire world. So, so Paul had it right. Paul says, I, I, I'm dead to myself. And I'm going to allow Christ to live through me. Whatever circumstances people are facing, it's essential to realize that Jesus is all about addition and multiplication. And Satan is about subtraction and division. Satan tries to subtract, take away and to divide people. Wherever you find division in your family, in your marriage, with your on the job, you can you can look around. You ain't about to look around. You, gotta, you ought to know that Satan is there somewhere. When there's division, when he's trying to take things away, that's Satan. But God is about adding. He's about multiplying. He's about making us whole. I like what John 10 and 10 says. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it what? More abundantly. That's what he says. So, so knowing that the enemy wants to deceive and deprive us, he, and he gets happy when we leave Jesus out of our conversations because he knows that we, we can't win a spiritual battle without the word of God. He knows that. So, so when we're showing that we care and when we're extending care to people, one of the, one of the gravest mistakes that we make is, is that we don't use that opportunity to share scripture with people. And in other words, we're going in, we're going in, I'm not saying you're going in and quote scripture not into nothing when you first interface with someone, but what you got to realize is that the word of God brings deliverance. And so we got to learn how to share the word with people who we're trying to be relational with. Because it's the word that brings us deliverance, right? Go, go back to Matthew, the fourth chapter right quick. Hurry, hurry. So let's go back to Matthew, the fourth chapter. All right. So we saw in this text that we read how it was that Jesus was led up up by the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan after having fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now guys, you got to realize this. When the Bible says that to have fasted 40 days and 40 nights, wouldn't your body be sort of feming for food? Y'all know what it means to feme for something? That's, that's, that's kind of a street, street term. But you know, sometimes you have people, a drug addict fiends for drugs. Huh? Have you ever have you ever fiend for something? Have you ever fiend for a person? 
I, I need some help in here. I need, I need some, have any of y'all ever felt like I just, I, I just got, yeah, thank, thank you, Carla. I got one hand raised back there. Have you ever, have you ever, yo, look, look at this lady over here. Yeah. See, I was, I was feeming for her, before, you know, when we were dating. I mean, I was, when I, when I said that, I mean, I mean, I would, I, I would do stuff like, you know, we were home for the summer. I'd work all day doing construction work and I'd drive an hour to Haynesville. Huh? After having worked all day in the sun. Stay to 10, 11 o'clock at night, drive an hour back and get up and be to work at 6.30 the next morning and do it three or four times a week. Everybody said, say, you feming, Pastor. <laughs> now y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and, and so, so ultimately what that, what that did was, you know, I, you know it, it led to, to, to me in, in June of 1988, 85, 85, 85, June of 1985, yeah, 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 thank you, Holy Ghost, thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> June of 85 is asking this woman to marry me. Can I get a witness? Are y'all, are y'all with me? See, see, see guys, when we, when we have that kind of hunger and thirst, we know what it means in, 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 in relational terms. But what God is saying is, I, I, I want you as a body of believers to have that same kind of hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he says, if you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, what did he say? You will be filled. The problem is, some of us ain't feeling for God. We're feeling for the things of the world. Because we still haven't let our flesh go to the point to where we subject it to our spirit man. So we got, but we got, guys, we got to get there. Watch, watch, watch this again. So, so Jesus, again, I start off by saying, if you hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, guys, you, your body is going to be desiring food. How many of y'all, when you fast for three days, you, you about to go out your mind? Come on. I don't even want you to raise your hand. Just look at it because 95% of y'all here going to be guilty. Have you fasted this year at all? I'm not talking about because you had to have a colonoscopy the next day. <laughs> Some of y'all, yeah, I have fasted, but you ain't tell me. The only reason why you fasted was because you got to have a colonoscopy. But how many, how many, of, you, how many of you have given up food to tell your flesh that my spirit man is more important than you. See, some of us, uh, and my wife tells us all that, sometimes people, you know, we get on people for being addicted to alcohol and drugs, but some of us are addicted to food. We don't eat to live, we live to eat. All day we think about what we're going to eat. Come on. No, I get nothing wrong with eating. You know, I, I tell you before, I'm, I'm a connoisseur of fine taste. Yeah, yeah. I like good quality food. I don't, I don't, you know. But it, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be addicted to food to where I can't. If God says fast for the next two days, I break out in a sweat. Are y'all listening to me? See, we 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 got to get to the point to where that where that food uncontrolled, but. 40 days and 40 nights, guys, your body will be feeming for food. So the text says, watch this, watch this. Look at the next verse. During that time, the devil came. During that time, during what? The time he was fasting. 40 days and 40 nights. That's, that's what the enemy would do. The enemy would come at the most inopportune time to present something to you. Come on. That's enticing. But not, we're talking about sharing scripture because we, we, we got to do this. So, so, so the text says this during the time that the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to be stones to become loaves of bread. Look at the next verse. What, what does Jesus do? Come on. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now he's saying this, guys, after having, having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he goes to the word of God to enable him to contain his flesh. So I got a question for you, a very pointed question, a question that I already know the answer to, but I'm asking ask you the question to cause you to reflect. 
if Jesus needed the word of God to be able to sustain his flesh when he's being attacked and tipped by the enemy, what about you? Are you so strong that you don't need the word? Oh, you different from everybody else, though. You even different from Jesus because you're strong. You don't need the word. You just willpower it. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, needed the scripture to stand. What about you? Some of y'all out there are trying to handle problems, are trying to counsel people and never share a word with them. You just give them good worldly advice. Now, again, that's a, you know, good worldly advice is find its place, but, but you need to share scripture. Because there are some things that your worldly advice will not help people to get beyond. There's some stuff that's demonically inspired and just worldly advice will not cut it. You need the unadulterated word of God. Can I get a witness? Watch this. Go, go turn, if you will, to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 12. Go to Ephesians 4 and 12. Are y'all still tracking with me? Talking about sharing scripture. Because guys, many of us have been in church for a long period of time and we don't share scripture with people. And one reason why we don't share scripture with people is because we don't, we haven't spent time in scripture ourselves. But I got news for you. If Jesus, Emory, need the word, that child looking at me like she just, just zeroed in on me. If Jesus needs the word, what about us? But you're different, though. Huh? That's why, you, that's why you keep struggling with the same stuff. That's why you can't really help people. It's because you, you, you're not sharing word. You're sharing your advice. Now, again, there's a combination of, of, of word, and there's some, there's some practical things that we can tell you. I'm not saying that you don't tell me practical things, but if you leave out scripture, you're leaving out the very thing that's able to bring inward transformation. A lot of the stuff that we deal with, and as we try to share, people, share with people and show that we really care, a lot of stuff that we deal with is inward stuff. And so we keep trying to tell them outward stuff to do. They can't keep doing the outward stuff because they haven't dealt with the inward stuff. We keep looking at the symptoms and don't deal with the real problem. Watch what the text says here. In, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, I like this. I'm talking about the word of God. Verse 12. From the new, what did I tell you to go? Ephesians 4 and 12, okay? Now, Hebrews 4 and 12. I'm, I'm talking Hebrews 4 and 12. I, I know, Hebrews 4 and 12, I'm sorry. Sometimes I get excited and give you the wrong scripture. Hebrews 4 and 12. Can y'all get that right quick? It's on the screen. All right, watch what the text says. Listen, listen, listen to this. It says, for the word of God is alive and it's what? Powerful. The word of God is not just some book that you put on a shelf. The word of God is what? Alive and is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between what? Soul and spirit between joint and marrow. Look at what the word of God does. Now watch this. Start, mark it, and underline it in your Bible. Ephesians 4 and 12. Here's what the word of God has the power to do. It does what? It exposes our innermost faults and desires. What does that? The word of God exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what it does. Look at verse 13 with me right quick. It says what? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable. He's the one whom, whom we are accountable. So let me give you some things right quick. Uh, first of all, what, what's, uh, just jot down this core principle. Here's, here's our, well, let me back up. What, what does scripture do for us, first of all? What does scripture do for us? Number one, scripture enables us to move forward and come alive. 
Scripture enables us to move forward and to come alive. Every time that the enemy came to Jesus in Matthew, the fourth chapter, Jesus said, the scripture says, the, it is written in the word of God, man should not live by bread alone. It is written, the scripture say, thou shalt worship the Lord, worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall I serve. It is written, thou shalt have no other gods for me. It is written, the scripture say, it is written, the scripture say. He kept doing that for a reason. Because the word of God enables us to move forward and enables us to come alive. All right, that's what it does. Uh, second thing that the word of God does, and this is why it's critically important for us to share it with uh, those who we're extending care to, is, is that it gives us the confidence and the strength to face another day. That's what the word of God does. It gives us the confidence and the strength to face another day. Have you ever been down and out and had stuff going on that looked like the world was just weighing in on you, but you got a word from somebody who just called you out of the blue and said, man, listen, man, I'm just thinking about you. I just wanted to share with you, man. God said that you are, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus that loves you. And man, don't you dare give up. I don't, I don't know what you're going through, brother. You don't even have to tell me, but God just told me to tell you that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. And God told me to tell you, man, you got to walk it, walk it out by faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. Your faith will enable you to overcome it. That's all I want to tell you, brother. Hang up. That word can inspire that person and give them the confidence and the strength to face another day. Third thing that the word of God does. Watch this, watch this. It, 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 it renders Satan and his army powerless. Here's the thing. It renders Satan and his army powerless. Powerless. That's what the word of God does. Jesus used the word. But guys, watch this. If we're sitting here, you're sitting here, and you you come every Sunday, and maybe you maybe you every now and then come on Wednesday, and and maybe you stick your door foot in the door at Sunday school maybe once a quarter. But you're sitting here, and you know for yourself that there's no word time. You know for yourself that you don't use the word to God to encourage yourself. How can you expect to deal with demonic spirits in your own intellect? You ain't smart enough. You, how can you expect to overcome some things in your life when you don't give the proper due diligence to the word of God, which is able to move you forward and helps you to become alive, which is able to give you confidence and strength to face another, which is able to render Satan and his army powerless. At the name of Jesus, Satan got to flee. At the name of Jesus, and at his word, he's got to move. That's why you got to learn to speak a word to the situation. Speak life to it. Life meaning the life-giving power of God's word. So that's what scripture does for us. So what's, what's our, Pastor, you give us a core principle every time. What's, what's our core principle then for this, for this lesson today? What's our core principle? Well, here's a core principle. The word nourishes and sustains us. It nourishes us and it does what? It sustains us. See, a lot, a lot of our people, and many of you in the church are living in a dry place right now. Amen. And, and, and people in the church and in our communities and in our, in our circle of influence are spiritually malnourished right now. Are spiritually not well. And because you are spiritually malnourished, you are easy prey for the enemy. Have you ever watched the National Geographic channel? And they, when they're showing these animals, these antelopes and stuff out in the, in the wild jungles of Africa, then they show a cheetah or a lion who's ready to feast and eat, right? You know what they, it's, it's amazing, you watch those things, what they normally do is they try to find one who's over here, you know, eating, the rest of the herd over yonder, he over ain't paying attention. Come on. One that's isolated away from everybody. A one that's that's weak or maybe has an ailment or something, and then they find that weak one and they pounce on him. They pounce on him, and this just, just, just the law of the jungle to the, the the strongest survive. 
And in that food chain, that little poor antelope gets eaten up. And it's amazing to watch some of that stuff. Uh, but it's, it's similar to what happens uh, in, in the body of Christ. The enemy looks for that person who's weak, that person who's spiritually malnourished, that person who's, who's, not, who's not living a lively life because they, they, they don't have the word of God on the inside. Remember what John 1, and, go to John 1 with Rebecca, John 1 and 1, and we look at, and we look at verses 4 and 5 also. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I got to move here, okay? So, so the word nourishes and sustains us. That's what Jesus did. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, you go back and I want you to read that when you get home. Every time the enemy came, Jesus went to scripture. Now, guys, you got to be asking yourself the question. Well, how can I, as a human being here in the year 2018, face the attack of the enemy and I don't know any word? When Jesus, who was God manifest in the flesh, had to use the word, to put the enemy on his heels. Now think about it for a second. Do you really think you're so smart and so intellectually superior that you can overcome the enemy with your smartness? Come on. An enemy you can't see. An enemy who does have power, who, who, who has been described in the scripture as the little God, the God, G-O-D, little G-O-D, God of this world. The enemy who's trying to, 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 to disrupt your life and you're going to try to attack him with your intellect alone? Ah, it just doesn't work, guys. I'm telling you right now. The Bible says in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Go to verse 4 and 5. Come on, hurry. The word gave life to everything that was created. The word, the word did what? Gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Who's he talking about here? Come on, come on, Bible studies. Jesus, okay? He was in the beginning. Before there was ever a world, he was already here. He didn't just come in the manger of Bethlehem. He was already, he, in the beginning, was the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. Look at verse five. Come on, let's read. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Okay? All right? So the word nourishes and sustains us. The light shines. It's a light. The word nourishes and it sustains us. Okay? Now, now in the Gospel of John, we find multiple accounts of Jesus revealing the truth to people and them not getting it. Multiple occasions where he revealed the truth, the truth of himself, the truth of himself as the word of God. Uh, and they're not really getting it. Look at John 1 and verse 10 right quick. We're going to roll through this real quickly. John 1 and 10. Hallelujah. John 1 and 10. The text says this. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Did y'all get that? He, he did what? He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't what? Recognize. Look at verse number 11. The text says verse number 11. He came to his own people and even they did what? Have y'all ever been rejected by your own people? Huh? You came with, with, with love, with great intention, with, with the best intention. You tried to help them and you tried to help them the right way and they rejected your help. If you know how that feels, you know how Jesus felt. When he came unto his own, his own, he was he was born a natural. Naturally, he was Jewish by birth and he went to the nation of Israel and the nation as a whole rejected him. Came to his own people and they didn't receive him. Go with me right quick to John chapter number two, verse number 19. Multiple accounts of Jesus revealing the truth to people and them not getting it. Look at what he says here. All right. Jesus replied, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will do what? I will do what? I will do what? Um, look at verse number 20. Watch, watch this. It says, what? <laughs> when they say they exclaim, and that's an exclamation point, that means that it, they put a, a, a powerful emphasis on it. They say, what? It has taken 46 years, years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? 
They didn't understand what he was talking about. When he says, when you destroy the temple in three days, I'm going to do what? What was he talking about? He was talking about his, this body, him being resurrected from the grave. They thought he was talking about the temple, the natural temple. It took, what, did, what did they say? It took us 46 years to build this. And you mean to tell me you're going to build it and rebuild it in three days? You don't lost your mind. What they didn't understand. Now, the instance here where he speaks true, but they didn't understand. Give me one more. John, the third chapter. Watch this. Look, look, John, John 3, verse 9. Hurry, 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 hurry. John 3, verse 9. It says, how are these things possible, Nicodemus? Let's back up. Uh, go to verse number 7. Watch this. Here, be careful. See, there are times when Jesus speaks and we don't understand. And unless you're spiritually connected, unless you are in God's word and are relying on the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of stuff that will come forth from the Bible you will not understand because you cannot understand spiritual things with a natural approach. Spiritual interprets spiritual. So here you are being natural, trying to interpret spiritual, and you get it all twisted and messed up. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Jesus talking. Verse number eight says, well, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born in the spirit. You can't explain it. All you know is, is that, that you ain't the way you used to be. The old folks say, the way I used to walk, I don't walk that way no more. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. Huh? The stuff I used to say, I don't say anymore. There's a change that's came over me. Watch what it says in verse number nine. It says what? How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Verse number 10 says what? Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you do not understand these things. Here we are, Nicodemus, a respected Jewish teacher, but he didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Because see, when Jesus speaks a word, it has to be spiritually discerned. Are y'all with me today? So what are some things that we got to consider, guys? Because many people have been led astray and find themselves in a predicament because they don't know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And they find themselves in a lurch because they don't know the scripture nor the power of God. Now, don't you as a child of God be in that position where you don't know the scripture nor the power of God. You haven't seen or experienced the power of God operating in your life. And sometimes the people who we're trying to extend care to have never seen this. And regardless of whether or not you are accustomed to or comfortable with sharing or discussing scripture, the word of God is the source of our faith and our hope. The word of God is powerful and it endures forever. So we got to share scripture with people when we're dealing with them. Because what, what are we trying to do? We're not just trying to be transactional. We want to be what? Relational. We want to build a relationship with the person whom we are helping so that, that person, if they don't know Christ, can come to know him as their personal Savior. And if they are already saved, but maybe they're struggling, when we build a relationship, we have the opportunity to pour into them. So the question actually is, what are some things we, we have to consider as we show care? Are we going to feed souls or stomachs? That's the first thing we got to consider. Are we going to feed souls or are we just going to feed stomachs? Because you, you, you can have a soup kitchen. You can feed people. But if your sole purpose is just to feed people, you're missing part of what it means to really care in a biblical sense. Are y'all with me? In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes the distinction between food that perishes and food that endures. Okay. Look with me real quickly, and I, I, my time is running, but look with me real quickly in John, I think it's the sixth chapter, and let's look at verse number 26 and 27. Look at what he says here, John 6, 26. Says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I what? Feed you. Because I fed you. Yeah. <laughs> You want to be with me. Some people want to be around you because you don't want to buy in the meal all the time. Some of your friends want to be with you because you don't want to, that, that, that bought the suitcase of beer. Saints. 
of God. Some folks will be around you because you're the one who buy the tickets to the game all the time. In other words, some people are around you for what they can get from you. Oh, y'all listen to me. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. There were people who followed Jesus simply because of what he gave them. Look at the next verse. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Don't just be so concerned about food. So, so when we're dealing with people, we can't get just so overly concerned about the feed. Yes, feed is a part of them. And James tells us that if we pray for them and don't give them anything to eat, what good is it done? There's, there's a balance there. You got to share scripture while you feed. Amen? Are y'all still with me? Um, you know, and I don't have time to go there, but, but, but three times in John, the sixth chapter, he, he, he tells them that he is the bread of life. Give people Jesus. Share scripture with you, okay? Y'all remember the story in Acts, the sixth chapter, um, where uh, they had, uh, you know, the church had grown exponentially, and, and some were being left out of the daily food distribution. And they picked, picked out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom, who they pointed over the food distribution. Because the apostle said, it's not, it's, it's not wise for us to leave the word of God and wait on tables. So we got to stay in the word while we still feed people so that we can give them the word along with the physical food. So not only just, you can't just get, in showing care, you got to do more than just feed people and fill their stomachs. You got to feed them the word of God. Second thing we want to consider we got to have some boldness and not be timid, okay? Boldness and not timidity, okay? Boldness and not timidity. You know, there, there are a lot of people who are desperate to experience the fullness of God's love and the peace and the joy and the hope that comes from Christ alone. And, and knowing that faith can be especially important to people whose health and well-being are, are compromised at a certain point, be assured that people are hungry for that hope. So we can't be timid and bashful about sharing our faith walk. You may not know every scripture there is in the Bible, but you can. If God has done anything for you, you ought to have a testimony about what the Lord has done in your life. If he's ever healed you, can't you testify and say, brother, I was down on my sick bed, but the Lord touched my body and healed me. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. We got, to, we got to be willing to, 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 to share, amen? So, so boldness and not timidity. Second thing we got to consider is, third thing we got to consider is, we got, is it, are we going to just give them information or are we going to give them inspiration? So a lot of people are good at giving information, but people need some inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because of a what? Lack of knowledge. Don't just give information, but give some inspiration. And inspiration comes from the word of God, sharing scripture with people. People are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Okay? A lack of knowledge. So you, we got to go to them with word. Amen? Can I get a witness? Fourth thing I want you to consider is, is are we going to deal with goals? We got to have goals and go-to verses. Goals and go-to verses. What, 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 what are you talking about? Goals and go-to verses. See, speaking God's word is more powerful than anything that you and I make and say on our own. Make it a goal. Hear me, hear me carefully. When, you, when you're extending care, make it a goal to share an uplifting word whenever you connect with people. Amen. Make it a goal to share uplifting words when you connect with people. Write down real quickly, uh, uh, just pop, and you pop it up if you can, Brother Jay, uh, Psalms 28 and 7. Look at what Psalms 28 and 7. Make, make it a goal to, to share uplifting scripture with people. Don't, you know, don't. <laughs> Some people can be so thrown off when we're trying to help people, and, and, we, you know, we, and we get into, 
you know, people start telling you about they gout and they arthritis, and you start telling about your gout and your arthritis. <laughs> Encourage people. Yeah, child, I know my back hurting too. You girl, that's some that back pain. You know, oh, child, my toe, my foot. Mm -mm. If the Lord don't come soon, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Wait a minute. How's that happening? Encourage the person. Come on, people. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Sounds encouraging to me, doesn't it? Go to Psalms 46 and 1 with me right quick. Pop it up, Psalms 46 and 1. See, we got to find, our goal should be to share an encouraging word. For the, it says a song, again, uh, uh, God, look at it, God is our refuge and our strength always ready to help in times of trouble. See, when I'm showing somebody that I care and I'm trying to be relational, I need to tell them God is my refuge and my strength. He's our refuge and our strength and he is always ready to help in times of trouble. Brother, this too shall pass. Go to Psalms 106 with me right quick. Psalms 106, glory to God. Verse number one, an encouraging word. It says this, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures what? Forever. God is good. Tell people that when they're going through. They got to know that, amen? So, so goals and go-to verses. Speaking God's word is more powerful than anything that you might say. Just write that down. Speaking God's word is more powerful than anything that you might say. Make it a goal to share an uplifting word whenever you connect with people. Share an uplifting word. Share an uplifting word, not a downtrodden word. Not, not this, I don't know, I, I just don't know what we're going to do. What you going to do? I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it, don't, it don't look good. Why are you telling that person that? Speak an encouraging word. Third thing, share about what you find to be enlightening and encouraging. Talk about what you find to be enlightening and encouraging. And, 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 and to help that person through the situation, you know, Please, uh, you know, as I said, don't be a negative Nelly. You're talking, everything is negative. Everything is downtrodden. Speaking the encouraging word, the word of God has the power to lift people up and encourage them. Jesus spoke the word over his situation. Share about what you find to be enlightening and encouraging. Y'all got that? And lastly, if you are less familiar with scripture, it can be helpful to have a list of go-to verses to turn to. Have a list of verses that you got written out that you can pull out, get it laminated, put it in your phone. You put everything else up in there. Put it in your phone. And, and, and so that you can pull it out and encourage people. If you, if, if you, if you, maybe you just not get into this. Maybe your word time is sort of uh, trying to progress and grow in it. So find some helpful scripture that deal with people when they're sick, you know, or when they're having money situations. And write those words, those scriptures down so that you can have those. Are y'all listening to me? If, if, when, when someone is going through sickness, I, I, I want to tell them, listen, you know, he was ruined for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, you have been healed. You claim that. You speak the word. Of, don't you speak what you see and what you feel. You speak what you believe. Have word. Amen. When someone is going through financially, you get a word on finances. Have it written out. Last key point, I got, I got to let you go. Okay. Y'all got that? So if you're less familiar with scripture, it can be helpful to have a list of go-to verses to turn to, even if you are familiar with scripture. There are scriptures that I've taken to memorization, taken to memorization, and scripture memorization is very important, but I, don't, I can't remember everything, so write it down. I'll write stuff down. I'll, I'll, I'll go to it in a second. I'll get my electronic Bible and find it. I know what I know a keyword now. Search a keyword. Search that keyword and find that verse and encourage someone through the scripture. You gotta say more than just, just hold on, everything gonna be all right. They need a little bit more than that, okay? When you first get started, that'd be okay, but I'll just hold on, everything gonna be all right. No, give them a word. What's our key point? <coughs> Two things. Here's what we got to do. Number one, we need to proclaim and testify 
the truth. Everybody say proclaim and testify the truth. Nothing is more powerful than speaking God's word. Just like Jesus kept the enemy at bay by speaking what was written, we, you and I, have an incredible opportunity to share the word of God and encourage people to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So proclaim and testify the truth. Quit talking about this old wives' tale stuff and what people hear people say down here and these old religious cliches. Give them word, not cliches. Proclaim and testify the truth. Take every opportunity to share from the word of God and talk about God's promises, talk about God's love, and talk about God's faithfulness. That's how we show we really care. And last point, satisfy your own hunger, okay? Satisfy your own hunger. Are you being nourished and sustained by the word of God? You can't really care and, and, and help share with somebody else if you're malnourished. If your word time is minuscule, if you don't have a quiet time. So satisfy your own hunger. Proclaim and testify the truth and satisfy your own hunger for the word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Have some daily word time. Jesus died so that you and I could be in a position to show that we really care by sharing his word with others. Amen. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.